Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Questions? There's a microphone over there. Uh, please identify yourself and uh, ask your question. If you have a preamble, that's fine, but don't give a speech. And uh, so, Stephen, would you come up? And uh, anyone ready for a question? Ask at the mic. While I'm waiting for someone to come to the mic, <coughs> next week, Dr. Raj Sherman, leader of the liberal opposition in Alberta, will be here to talk about burning issues facing Albertans from an opposition MLA's uh, perspective. He will particularly be talking about the delivery of health care and other hot-button issues, including uh, resource management. So next week, Dr. Rod Sherman. Yes, go ahead. Yes, thank you for your presentation. Uh, my name is Gene Olexen. A uh, couple questions. Would you could you expand on your organization as far as your budget to to operate? And you mentioned you were funded heavily by Canadian Wounded Warriors or something to that effect. If you could expand on them again, exactly who are they and how do they operate, etc. Certainly. So the funding for us, uh, it was basically almost a year ago. It took us three years to get the first program launched. And we've been running these programs for one year. It was just a little over a year ago, I received a phone call at my home office and it was a gentleman from Wounded Warriors Canada. It's a charity that raises funding specifically and only for programs for Canada's veterans and their families. And this gentleman on the phone says, is this Steve? I go, yes. He says, how much money do you want? And if, you, if you've ever been out trying to do any fundraising, you know what kind of question that is. And I was very happy to say $4,000. And he said, Done. That enabled us to run our very first program. Last month, early last month, February 10th, yeah, we're still in March, February 10th, uh, Wounded Warriors Canada came to Calgary and presented us a check for $150,000. That comes from corporate Canada and people like you. And I hate to admit it, we're running our programs in Alberta and most of the money's coming from against Toronto. Corporate Alberta will not give us the time of day. Grassroots Alberta, on the other hand, has been absolutely fantastic. It's the basic Canadians looking after their own sons, daughters, fathers, uncles, brothers, sisters, and mothers. So you folks have been fantastic. And the purpose of the Wounded Warriors Canada is quite simply, they're picking up where the government has dropped the ball. Hi. The part about Wounded Warriors Canada is uh, filling the gaps that the government has created and dropped the ball. Is that the one? Yes. Okay, my, my name is Henning Mundell. 
And following up sort of on the previous question, oh, I don't know if you mentioned, but I have also two little questions. How many people do you provide this to at a time and throughout the year? That's sort of question one A and B. And the second question relates to subsequent follow-up. What kind of mechanism do you have? Two good questions. Uh, we're running one. We've broken the program into three phases. Phase one is what you saw in the little video clip. That's where uh, th uh, six couples, maximum of six couples, join us in Rocky Mountain House for three days. And that's where they learn the theory and the practice of having a, a conversation and some basic conflict resolution. We run one of those every month. And folks, they come from all across Canada. Whether it be from Newfoundland or Victoria, we don't care. You call us, you talk to us, we'll send you a plane ticket. I had a, you know who's coming on the next one? I had a veteran call me and he said, the reason he's calling is two days earlier, his 14-year-old girl walked in on him just as he was about to commit suicide. So there's a real need. And the follow-up is we have a phase two program where we bring the guys back, and for three days we teach them how to actually ride the horse. So this time they can ride it and care for horses. And we'll do that with the guys, and then we'll bring the spouses back as well because they're hurt. They're wounded just as much. Um, they need as much help and recovery as the veterans do for that family to work. So the spouses will come back. We'll teach them to ride and care uh, for horses. And then phase three is also a uh, three to four night pack ride in the mountains for the guys. To give you an idea of what's happening with this, is we've formed an alumni group. Uh, we've had 80-odd people come through the program. They've created their own newsletter. If you can imagine that, they've created their own newsletter, and next month, they're gonna, uh, for those that are down-homers from out east, they're having a kitchen party at a local pub as a fundraiser. And we got another gentleman, uh, the month after, he's creating a fundraiser in Oliver, B.C., all on their own volition. They want to do that. So we know we're doing something right. In the long story short, the best ones to help us is us. Well, hopefully that answers that for you. Thank you. Well, meet Jim Stewart. Go meet Jim Stewart. Give him a shout. Hi, thank you very much for your presentation. My name is Frances Schultz, and it seems to me that a key element of your program are the horses. Where do you get them? How do you choose them? Thanks, Francis. Uh, the horses we're using for this program are halflingers. Uh, they're actually from Halfling, Austria. Well, not these ones, but that's where the breed comes from. They're a little more docile. They're not your average rodeo or circus horse. Uh, and we're using these ones. They're a little smaller uh, in stature. Uh, they're a little more calm. Uh, you can imagine if you have individuals that they hear any uh, loud, sudden noises or see sudden movement... For them, it's a train wreck. So you can't have horses that you'll see in your average small-town rodeo, shall we say. Uh, so these horses are a little more mellow. And like I said, we don't need to see much. It's just how they hold their ears or where they move their head. Or if an individual is being too passive, they'll just push them out of the way with their shoulder. 
So the horses are uh, selected on their ability to interact with people and give us the right feedback. And if we're getting the feedback of licking their lips or moving their tails or just running away without theatrics, that's more than enough information to work with. Does that help? Thank you. Um, thank you for all that you've presented. Uh, I'd like to go back to the ball dropping uh, comment. And um, just because you have, uh, you know, insight into both what the government is doing and not doing and, uh, and what these people really need, uh, what would, uh, would you answer the question, what is the present government role in responding to these, uh, uh, these illnesses and what role would you like the government to play? If the Minister of Veterans Affairs came to you and said, Steve, lay out a program for me, what would you, uh, how would you respond I'll be honest, the Veterans Affairs Minister did come and ask for a photo op with the uh, program, and we said no. This gentleman is in a situation where, to be honest, I think he's just being thrown under the bus, and I won't be surprised that before the call of the next election, there's going to be a cabinet change, and he won't be the minister. What's the government's responsibility? I go back to uh, what uh, the Honorable Mr. Borden said during World War I, and that there's a sacred obligation to care for our country's veterans. It's a, it's a bit distressing to see that an individual will go to Ottawa, and the worst dangers they'll face, besides the, perhaps maybe a paper cut, or a bad haircut at the subsidized barber, or indigestion from the subsidized restaurant, is they will leave with a larger pension for life than a soldier who's served his whole life and lost both legs. So for me, the government's responsibility is, is if you're going to put people in harm's way to represent this nation, those people deserve to be respected and cared for. As military life, as some of you, I'm sure, have spent time in uniform, is so different. The military is the last line of defense. There's no one left. If our military fails us, then we've lost as a nation. When there's fires and the local fire departments can't handle it or the provincial fire departments can't handle it, they call in the military. If there's police forces go on strike, prison guards go on strike... Riots get out of control, they call on the military. They deserve to be acknowledged, in my opinion, by the government responsibly. Right now, uh, it's not happening the way it should. The Canadian government treats uh, the military like Calgary treats drill bits. Love them when they're shiny and new. As soon as they're a little worn and cracked, you can't get rid of them fast enough. And that's the unfortunate truth of what's happening with the new Veterans Charter. It's disgusting. You, I'll give you one quick example. You have an 18-year-old kid joined fresh out of high school, spends two years doing pre-deployment training, goes to Afghanistan, suffers, for example, post-traumatic stress, and is released 100% disability. So the government who says, you're not mentally, excuse me, you're not mentally healthy enough to be a member of the forces. So we're going to give you $250,000, go away, and never talk to us again. 
And that's what's happening now. So you'll have a 25-year-old kid with mental health, completely unable to get a job, with a young wife, two kids, and how many young 25-year-olds with mental health problems have the wherewithal to invest that $250,000 properly so that they can feed themselves properly in the future. So there is a gap. It's wrong, and it's not working. That's why our program is funded by civilians. This is not a government program, and we don't want to be run by the government. And just one last little uh, caveat to that is uh, about a year ago, we did receive $25,000 from Veterans Affairs Canada. They told us it was a, a grant, free funding, free money. So I went to collect it, and they said, well, actually, you have to spend it first. So we're without money, but we, you're giving us money, but we have to spend it first. And so thanks to Wounded Warriors Canada, we were able to spend the money. The challenge then was, is there, I've worked for uh, uh, National Energy Board, Citizenship Immigration Canada, National Defense. I've worked for many different government agencies. Veterans Affairs Canada wanted a hard copy of all invoices. They would not accept anything by fax or by uh, uh, email. They received that copy, but the trouble was is actually Veterans Affairs wasn't paying the funding. Services Canada was. So that meant we had to send the invoice to Charlottetown, who would put a stamp on it, send it to Ottawa, so government services could, cut a, uh, could put their stamp on it, and then send the invoice to Winnipeg so the check could be issued. That was money given to us because they wanted to. Can you imagine the young veteran now suffering 100% disability with PTSD, told to go to Service Canada and stand in line behind a drug addict looking for a pardon? That's what we're doing to our veterans now. So there's a lot that needs to be worked on. Thank you. Mary Shillington, thank you for your honesty in that, and I'm hoping that all the veterans are not going to vote for this present government. Uh, that would be one thing you could be doing. Uh, I'm a retired clinical social worker, and I know from working with people with PTSD uh, that addiction is off addictions are often uh, a big issue. So what's happening? Uh, how, what kind of parameters do you put on people who are interested in coming into your program? around addiction issues and, and what expectations do you have of them before they can come into your program, or do you? Thank you. Good question. Addictions are certainly a, uh, a major factor with uh, post-traumatic stress and operational stress injuries. And right now, the mental health world is trying to figure out how to deal with this. The traditional approach is deal with one addiction or one problem first, then move on to the others. Uh, some of the uh, inpatient therapy uh, uh, centers are looking at treating everything all at the same time. For us, what does it take to get on our program? You've got to remember, these are individuals who are suffering mental health. As I mentioned, a guy called us where he said two days earlier his 14-year-old daughter walked in on him just as he was about to kill himself. We do not put up barriers. You call me and say you're a veteran and that you've got PTSD, I'll send you a plane ticket and you're on the program. What we're saying is, is to treat those other um, challenges, such as addictions and such, you need to be able to talk. 
And so our program is focused on helping people talk. So when they leave, they're in a better place to be able to go to inpatient uh, therapies and such. If there's no communication, there will never be a resolution. So our aim is just to get them to start talking. And we know we may only be one small part of their full recovery. Thank you. Uh, my name is Frank Toth. I'm a veteran speaking as a veteran. Uh, I think we lift a cap to the job you're doing. Thank you very, very much. Uh, what Mr. Harper done, of course, is uh, swept the veterans under the, under the rug, uh, closing down most of the DVA offices across the country. People, I had a notice in the paper that a man from Labrador had to drive 175 miles to go to a DVA office. So you're taking their place while Mr. Harper is gaining votes from the Ukrainians in Canada. He's already made an undivided support of Israel in the Israel-Palestinian thing. That's all he's doing. I predict that he's finished. He's dug his grave by hurting the, uh, our veterans. Okay, thank you again for what you do. My question is, uh, have you any liaison with our Canadian Legion? What support have they offered anything? Or second quick question is, how many football players and hockey players have you got with concussion problems? No hockey players and football players that admit it at this time. Uh, thank you very much for your kind words. Yes, uh, it, it, it is uh, a situation where people are coming to understand that veterans believe they've been thrown under the bus. And the situation now, is not, can you hear me? Because I can go without it. I can do that To, to go back with, with what you were saying, uh, the situation is such, with the changes in the uh, new veteran charter, closing down the, uh, 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 the veterans, uh, affair, uh, sorry, veterans centers and such, the one thing that is very, it's a bit my personal peeve, is veterans affairs will pay more to send themselves to the ceremonies in Normandy than they'll offer the soldiers who fought at Normandy. I think it's a grave injustice, and it speaks to the feeling of entitlement to any political group that ends up in Ottawa, where it's more important to send themselves to the ceremonies than to send the veterans who actually fought. That is why, for our program... I go back to the thing, you just make a phone call, and you're in. It's that simple. No, We don't even need to see a doctor's report. We don't want to see any paperwork. We'll take you at your word. If you were good enough to wear the uniform, your word's good enough for us. Thank you. The Legion. Actually, I've been a member of the Legion myself for 35 years. Uh, and uh, the Legion has changed, and we were having a bit of a conversation at our table. It's coming back to the emphasis of veterans once again. We can see that happening across the country. We are receiving uh, donations directly from small-town legions. 
the Royal Canadian Legion, uh, Dominion Command, is a full supporter of Wounded Warriors Canada. The challenge being is each legion kind of goes its own way as well. So we are getting more uh, requests from the legion about what we do and how they can support us. And it's good to see. It's good to see the legion forming uh, itself back to its main primary goal of not being just another service club, but being there for veterans and their families. Thank you. Hi, I'm Bev Mendel-Atherstone. Is it on? Yeah. Thank you very much for your talk. Yeah, I turned it on. <laughs> um, I come from uh, a long line of veterans. My father was in World War II. My sister's two boys were in Iraq. They're, they live in California. They both came back with post-traumatic stress disorder. I wish we had this kind of program for them in California. Um, this is sort of a segue from your last answer. <clears throat> how do people, how do the veterans who have PTSD find out about your program? What kind of advertising do you do? How do veterans find out about us? It's the social media stuff. And it's really interesting. Uh, it took us three years before we were able to put our first program in place. And uh, during that three years, I had been retired uh, out of uniform for a while. And one of the worst things I ever did was watch my own daughter climb on a plane and fly to Afghanistan because that's just wrong. It's supposed to be me that does that, not her. Anyways, after she came back and been diagnosed with operational stress injury as well, so everything we talk about on this program, I eat, live, walk, breathe every day in order to maintain a relationship with my daughter. With that, she said, Dad, you're screwing this up. Just like your typical kid, right? Dad, you're screwing it. She says, you got to get on Facebook and you got to get on Twitter. And, you know, I'm going like, screw that. She said, I'll sort it out for you. Within 48 hours is when we got that first phone call from Wounded Warriors Canada. There is an enormous amount of information on Facebook, Facebook groups, veteran groups pulling together like never before. So there is an enormous amount of information on Facebook and Twitter. And we're also uh, receiving interest from, like today, that helps spread the word, where we are getting, to be honest, spouses and all this more, nine out of ten phone calls we get are from the spouse. Or if it is the guy, he's going, my wife made me call. Right? So the families are talking to other families, and that's where we're getting a lot of people stepping up, finding out about us. And then they contact us. We eventually send them an email, and they have to make the first phone call. We never go with, here's someone you should call. We say, no, if we're going to spend this money on you, we need you to show a commitment by make the first phone call. And it's amazing how well that's working now. We're now booking programs into uh, June and July. Thank you. My name is Van Christou. <clears throat> uh, thank you, uh, Stephen, for coming down, driving all the way down from an hour north of Calgary this morning to be with us uh, at noontime today. Um, your presentation was excellent, and uh, I think it's uh, very obvious that uh, the work you're doing is, is 
critical work and important work uh, in our in our world today. Um, I'm wondering. The question I have to ask is: uh, I'm wondering whether or not all the work that you're doing is fully documented, so that it could become a study for a better understanding of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I don't think there's anybody, we talked about this around the table, anybody in this room who hasn't undergone uh, trauma in their lives, either in their childhood or in their adolescence or in their, uh, in their adult life. Uh, so it's a very variable thing. A very, uh, it happens in many different ways, uh, whether it's physical trauma or psychological trauma, economic trauma, there's all kinds of them. And uh, no one goes through life. If we have a minute, there's no, I see there's nobody behind me. I have to tell you an interesting story that Maya Angelou told us at a meeting just like this some, some time ago. Uh, she talked about her aunt uh, who, uh, to whom she complained one day about something that happened that was terrible to her that day. And her aunt said, my dear, she says that if the mo mountain was smooth, you couldn't climb it. And I, th I thought that was a real good commentary about the fact that we all encounter uh, stress disorder. And the better understanding we have of it, uh, the better off we're all going to be. So my question is, uh, are you uh, doing good documentation of what's going on to maybe help the medical people and the people in psychology and so on deal with post-traumatic stress disorder? Very good question about the study. Um, just before I get to that, let me just sort of how we approach... Uh, the wounds, the mental health wounds. And I go back to that the uh, MRIs are showing actual damage to the brain. And then what we say, because too many times our soldiers, they're told they're broken. They're not broken. They're wounded. What's broken is your windshield. You go to Canadian Tire and buy a new windshield. For these soldiers, it's like a plant, and one of the leaves have fallen off the plant. You can't go to Canadian Tire, buy a new leaf, and staple it back onto a plant. It's not going to work. What you can do is if you put that individual in the right environment with the right nutrients, that leaf grows back. And with mental health, it's not going to be exactly the same person. Just like that leaf isn't exactly the same, it'll be bigger, stronger, and more resilient. Much like having the challenges of climbing the hard climb up a mountain. What we are doing is at the end of every program, we have a study that we hand out to the veterans, and we have a different study that we hand out to the spouses. And, that it, and those are collected, and those are sent off to Dr. Randy Duncan in Saskatchewan. And with the Medical Ethics Review Board and Peer Review, that study will be published next, uh, next month in the Canadian Military Journal. So that our study will, in fact, be uh, published internationally, and peer-reviewed, and be the very first study of its kind concerning veterans, PTSD, and horses, all in finding ways to make sure that we're doing something right. We don't have all the answers. We don't know what the answers are until we try, and that's all we want to do is as long as we keep trying and going in the right direction, then we know we're helping our own. And once again, it's folks like you with this kind of interest. That's enormous. It's enormous, and if these veterans could see your interest right now, I guarantee you, the toughest one of them would break down and start crying, and those would be tears of gratitude. So thank you, folks, very much for your interest. It's very much needed and very much appreciated. Thank you.